Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head. And with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 4, Episode 3, The Innocent. And here to talk with you, as we are every week, I'm Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and with me, as always, is Audie. How you doing this week? Doing good, man. Uh, been single dad in it the past couple of days. My wife's out of town, so oh, just fun. me and the so, boys. So it's all uh, it's all pizza rolls and Coca Cola. No. <laughs> no, busted. No, no. There's pop tarts in there too. Right. <laughs> Actually, the pizza rolls were planned, so it's fine. It's all good. It's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, the weather is starting to act like spring, but it's teasing me. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get like, what I'm getting now are days of sun, but cold. So it's like, yeah. oh, it's not so bad, but I got to put my sun, I have to put my sunglasses on because if I walk outside to walk Bella in the snow with the sun out, nope, I'm completely snow blind. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, but it's been a good week. Not Not too bad. I have a very busy next couple of weeks coming on i've got between beyond my own shows i have two guest spots one we're doing together which i think we may announce this week we may not until next week we'll see we'll see how i'm feeling Uh, how 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 we're feeling um but i'm also going to be guesting on another show talking about lord of the rings specifically return oh yeah so i've got to get ready for that so it's it's a busy i've got models that i'm building and i have to paint um Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a busy couple of weeks coming up, but uh, you know I'm fine with that. I need the I need to stay busy, keep me out of trouble. For sure. Uh, this was um, this was a hell of an episode. Yeah, it um, was. It was one that I this did is, remember. I was going to say this is one I remembered too, like very much so remembered, and even remembered the ending. Yeah, which we'll definitely talk about. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, it is. It is a memorable episode, and and in a very heartbreaking but good way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think I think though before we talk about the episode itself, uh, I did find another Watcher Chronicle. Um, nice. And uh, so I dug I dug the tape out, and uh, and we're gonna play that now. All right. October ninth, nineteen ninety five. I've been keeping tabs on Richie Ryan for a few weeks now, waiting for Dawson to call me back to Seacover. Following him up the coast today, he stopped just outside Greenville, Washington, happening upon another immortal. An immortal unlike many I've ever seen or even heard record of. I overheard his name is Mikey, and he seems to be very confused, almost childlike. I don't recognize him from any of the chronicles I've read, and I feel like someone using this as an M.O. would have been known to us by now. I don't think this is some kind of act, and if so, I get the feeling Richie will look to his friend McLeod for some advice on this one. I'd better get to Seacover, and quickly. So we see a man, he's working on a motorcycle, he's in like kind of a junkyard type of, type of setting. 
And all of a sudden he feels the presence of an immortal and he's looking around, he's, he's concerned. Uh, and then he sees who the immortal is and it is a, uh, a man. Um, he's, he, he's not a small man, uh, and looks very innocent. His name is Mikey. He is an immortal, mm-hmm. but he's kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know how to phrase it exactly. He appears to be on the autism spectrum is what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, he is being taken uh, care of. Yeah, the term you want to use is developmentally uh, disabled. Okay, that would that would be the one to use. Um, mm-hmm. So he's he is living with this man uh, at the junkyard, and his wife. They're kind of taking care of him. Um, they're about to have lunch when suddenly they both feel the presence of yet another immortal, and Alan realizes that the, this isn't good. So he tells Mikey to go with Helen and go hide. Mikey doesn't want to hide. He doesn't want to go. But he does listen to Alan. Eventually, Helen gets him into a bus that they have at the junkyard. And they're hiding in there. And Mikey looks outside and he sees Alan fighting with somebody else. But he can't. He, he, he's too afraid to go and help or do anything about it. And Helen looks out, sees the fight going on. They see Alan get his head taken by this other immortal. Helen starts to get obviously very upset and wants to run out mm-hmm. there to help. But Mikey is holding her back and is saying, you know, trying to keep her quiet because that's what Alan told him. Alan told him to, to stay quiet. And during the quickening in a panic, he accidentally snaps her neck. He accidentally kills her and then runs off while the quickening is going on. And, uh, meanwhile, we find Richie is on his bike when he feels the presence of an immortal. So this is a little while later and we're seeing a POV of some of Mikey running away and you can, cause you can hear him muttering to himself. Mm-hmm. And so Richie stops, uh, on the road and looking around, trying to find the source of it. And there's Mikey and they have a, a quick moment. And, and I liked that moment because Richie is definitely skeptical at first. He doesn't quite know right. what's going on. And Mikey is scared and he's lost and he's confused and he doesn't know what's going on but he's also hungry and there's an instant mm-hmm. connection between Richie and Mikey. And so Richie, um, tells him that he's, he's heading up the coast. Uh, and Mikey starts spotting off about the coast starlight and trains and Richie bring, you know, basically takes him with him and, uh, and takes him to the dojo and they go to see Mac. So they get to the loft and, uh, you know, Mac, uh, Duncan is looking at a, a, a property listing that he just bought. And when mm-hmm. they show up, um, which has a great moment where Richie's like, yeah, it looks like a dump, a really expensive dump. And my Duncan's like, yeah, I know I just bought it. <laughs> so, um, Richie explains that he just couldn't leave Mikey out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, uh, that he had to protect him that when you, when you come, uh, come upon somebody who, who needs help like that, you have to do something. And that triggers a flashback for Duncan. Mm-hmm. So, Duncan and Richie and Mikey are out walking around. Um, Richie and Duncan are kind of talking things out and trying to figure out what to do. And, um, and Mikey is just enjoying being out, uh, out in the park when, um, he, there's a, there's a little moment where he accidentally knocks a bunch of plastic water bottles out of somebody's truck. Uh, it seems like everywhere Mikey goes, people are treating him poorly. Um, Mm -hmm. they, they yell at him. Uh, at one point he finds kind of a small version of the Orient Express train. And of course, Mikey loves trains. So he wants to drive this little train. Well, the, the guy that conducts the train, like 
flips out at him and says, this guy should be locked up and all this kind of stuff. He, he keeps getting into these situations, but Duncan and Richie are trying to help him. Right. And they're also trying to figure out where Mikey came from, what happened. But every time they try to talk to him, he shuts down and just talks about trains and talks about railways. Mm-hmm. Um, that trauma, every time he's triggered with that, that trauma, he, he falls right back into that. Um, right. So they, they determined somebody had to have been taking care of him, but they don't even know if it was another immortal or what. And they'll right. probably never know. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Richie just feels like he needs to help Mikey. And um, he decides he's going to get a hold of some social workers that he knows. So he takes off and leaves Mikey with Duncan in the loft. Duncan again tries to talk to him. It's not going well, but then they feel an immortal. Mm-hmm. So Duncan goes down into the dojo. And who's there? But the guy that killed Alan in the beginning of the episode. His name is Tyler yep. King, and he's there for Mikey. Mm-hmm. Well, Duncan's not going to just let that happen. And right. so they, they start to fight when Mikey, who was hiding in the dojo, comes downstairs, sees it, and runs over to help Duncan. Mm-hmm. Duncan tells him, you got to get out of here, and he keeps fighting King. Mikey runs off. Duncan subdues uh, the other guy pretty easily and then takes off and goes to find uh, t- goes to find Mikey, who's now just wandering the streets. He's confused. He's right. lost, and he's he doesn't know what's going on. While all mm-hmm. that's happening... Mikey gets hit by a police car while he's standing in the middle of an intersection. And when the police come to help him or, you know, see how he is, he is disoriented and scared. And so he lashes out and pushes one of the police officers. So they arrest him for assault. Yeah. And Duncan and Richie have to go let him out. Now, when they find him in the jail cell, he's nearly catatonic. He's not really talking until Richie gives him a new train and Mm -hmm. uh, an engineer's hat. And then Mikey snaps right back up, and he's good to go, and they get him out of the jail. They sign him out because he hasn't done anything wrong. And Richie has figured out that there is a school he can get Mikey to that's on holy ground, that's mm-hmm. out in the countryside, where he can be safe, at least for a while. He doesn't. They, they don't really have like a, a solid plan of exactly what they'll do long term, but it's at least somewhere to get him that is safe and on holy ground. Right. Mikey doesn't want to go, though. Mm-hmm. And it basically takes Duncan and Richie convincing him they'll take him to a switch track in a big switching station uh, to to convince him to go. And right. they get there. There's a there's a great moment where you just see Mikey just taking in all of the trains and that just the <laughs> yeah. the and we're gonna talk about Pruitt Taylor Vince as Mikey. Um, but like that moment's just so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, immediate, almost immediately, it, the rug is pulled out from under you because they feel Tyler King's presence. Yep. He's back, going for Mikey. So Duncan once again steps in and takes on King and tells Richie to get Mikey out of there. They head back for the T-Bird when the police show up. Uh, because King has basically framed him for the death of Alan and Helen. So the police mm-hmm. are now looking for Mikey because of that. When they uh, confront them, Mikey, of course, once again, ha- is confused and he lashes out, um, knocks both police officers unconscious, and Richie grabs him and they run. And right. at Duncan, meanwhile, is still fighting Tyler King. Uh, takes care of him rather handily. Mm-hmm. Has a quickening, and when he comes out of the, the building that he was in, 
he f- he goes back to the car and he finds the two police officers, one of whom is actually dead. Yep. So Duncan takes off. He he finds Richie and Mikey. They're hiding somewhere along the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. At this point, Duncan and and Richie have a conversation. Duncan realizes that now with uh, a police officer being killed by Mikey, the cops are not going to stop looking for him. That other immortals, right. Mikey is always going to be uh, hunted by other immortals because he is, he's weak in the sense that he can't take care of himself the way mm-hmm. that an immortal needs to. Right. And Richie desperately wants to help him and desperately wants Mikey to have a life. But they can't they can't take him to the, the school now because the police will just show up there and take him away from that. Right. So Duncan convinces Richie that the, the only thing they can the most merciful thing they can do is to end Mikey end Mikey's life for his own sake. Right. And Duncan is prepared to do it, but Richie says, No, he's my responsibility. Let me do it and takes Mikey into a train tunnel that they're right outside of. And they hear a train coming. And they get inside there, and this is the heart-wrenching moment, is they get inside the tunnel, and you can see on Richie's face that he doesn't want to do this, but he knows that the, the options are so limited. And then right. Mikey realizes kind of what's happening and basically tells Richie, don't worry, it's okay, and he lays himself down on the track and lets the train run over him. Mm-hmm. and sacrifices himself in kind of a moment, almost a moment of lucidity, right? Yeah. And it's heart-wrenching because you can see the, and and there was a call, it's a callback to an earlier moment in the episode where Richie said that he sees these moments in Mikey where Mikey understands things a lot more than people realize. And mm-hmm. that's one of those moments where he realized kind of what was going on. And it's, Again, it's the Taylor Vince performance that just sells it. Yeah. We're going to talk about him in a, in a minute. Mm-hmm. But uh, the train runs over Mikey. Richie is there for the quickening. And the episode ends with Richie and Duncan working on the crap house that Duncan just bought, mm-hmm. fixing it up. Um, and And just kind of having an understanding, a moment of like, they couldn't have done anything else. They really just were limited in their options and... You know, they, unfortunately that's just how things had to go. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's, it's a tough episode, but it's really, really good. And it's, it's made by the special guest. And we're going to talk about him right right now. I don't want to go without you, Richie. It's in the country, Mikey. You'll be safe. No bad men. No bad men. You coming? We'll come visit. I'll stay here. So special guests, um, I am going to mention real quick, Keith, um, Callum Keith Rennie played Tyler King. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's our evil immortal for the week. Um, yep. He's, he's two dimensional. He, he barely is a character. Like he's just kind of a plot device. Um, he's, he's a story point that gets Mikey out of his initial kind of safe haven and mm-hmm. where he is with Alan. And then he is tracking Mikey and he just wants he just wants to kill Mikey because, as he puts it, somebody's going to get him. It might as well be me. Right. Um, but the character doesn't need to be more than that, honestly, because no. he's, he, that's not important to the story being told at all. So he can 
we can get away with him just being uh, a plot device. In a lot yeah. Of ways. And he, he did it perfectly. Like mm-hmm. this is another one of those times where he didn't undersell it. He wasn't too much, you know, mustache twirling bad guy. He was exactly what was needed. Yeah. He um, was that perfect and, mix. And here's the funny thing. We've seen him before. Oh yeah. He was in the episode with, uh, an eye for an eye. Oh, okay. Um, he was one of the Irish goons that gets, I think he gets killed at the second. That's time right. To do something. Okay. Um, I thought he looked familiar, but I, d- I wasn't making the connection. Yeah. All right. Well, I've seen him around. He's been in all kinds of stuff. And the one thing I know him most from, and this is my plug, is for uh, an old show in the late 90s called Due South. Oh, it was yeah. about a, a Mountie that comes down to Chicago mm-hmm. and partners with a cop. Well, later on, uh, he's uh, Callum is becoming the like they do a switch up and the original Chicago cop goes undercover and this guy takes his place. Somehow they make it work that he's hmm. taking the actual place of him instead of dealing with the other undercover cop. It's weird, okay. but he's great in that show and he's great in all kinds of stuff. So, Oh yeah. Looking at his uh, list of stuff. I mean, he's in Longmire. He was in, um, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even realize he was in Memento, which I just covered for wait. You haven't seen not that long ago. Um, yeah. He's got a small role there. Dodd. He was in, uh, Jessica Jones. For, mm-hmm. for a while like he's been he's got 132 credits he's acting up till today he's and and again this character is very simplistic but that's okay right like that doesn't that doesn't now mm-hmm. now the the star of this entire episode is Pruitt Taylor Vince who plays Mike absolutely he is phenomenal I mean mm-hmm. he, so Pruitt Taylor Vince is one of those actors who he should be in everything. He's so good. He's so right. He has this way of, of showing so much emotion in his face without, he doesn't have like a rubber face, but you always know what he's feeling and he can play all sorts of different parts too. Yeah. He um, can. You know, he came to prominence playing like a, a, a redneck in Mississippi burning. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he, but he, he, like his, his performances are never, um, one note, like even when he's playing a character like that, who's this racist redneck, he's, there's like nuance to his performance and there's layers to it that, um, he just is really, really good at. I remember him right. in a show from like 2004, there was an American remake of touching evil. And he mm. played a character in that called Cyril, uh, Cyril Kemp. And he was, okay. he was a, in the, in the show, he thought that his life on earth was a dream and when he would have these blackout periods, he was on his home planet. So he had he had a, a disorder in that that they sort of played around with and, and not played around with, but they explored a little bit of right. um, of that. He was in Constantine, um, his father Hennessy. He was really good in that. Um, uh, Identity as Malcolm Rivers. He's great. The thing with him is he can play menacing or he can play innocent and he can do both at the same time. Yeah. And it's such commanding performances. And he did that in this. He's, he is believable as somebody who is developmentally disabled and on the spectrum with, yep. and he never, I never get the sense that he is 
doing a caricature of it. There's like a sincerity and a genuineness right. to his performance that yeah. I, I almost, I, and I don't know at all if he's, you know, experienced other people with, with any of these kinds of, um, um, situations in his, in his life or not, but the, it feels like, like he's, he's drawing from experience on this. Of... I was going to say that it, it definitely feels like he has, if he doesn't have direct experience, he went and sought out the experience to mm -hmm. play this character well, and not just have it be like you said, a caricature of somebody who's mentally disabled the way he is. Like I worked at a camp and half of part of the camp was specifically for those with mental and physical, physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. And like, they they let anyone from like 12 to whatever age that could do the stuff at camp enough that could physically do it enough. We still have people in wheelchairs sometimes and stuff, and we could get them around the main camp. Um, so seeing this actor do this, it, it definitely felt like a respectable portrayal. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is the perfect word for it is very respectable and very sincere in his portrayal. Mm -hmm. And they never, like, he was written fairly well, too. Um, Ace mentioned, uh, has a very Mice and Men, of Mice and Men feel. And exactly. He's, he is very, like, there's definitely inspiration from Of Mice and Men in this episode oh, yeah. and in this character. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, it's just, there's something compelling about Pruitt Taylor Vince. Now, some of it is that he has um, a condition called nystigmus, which, uh, causes his eyes to involuntarily move. And there's a moment in this episode where they focus on that when he's in the jail cell and he's kind of, mm -hmm. he's not really rocking back and forth so much as he's just very steady and he's muttering to himself all these train facts. But when you watch his eyes, his eyes move and there's a, there's something compelling about that. And it kind of draws you in where you can't, mm -hmm. you can't help but watch this, this going on. So, right. It's something that, um, that he brings uh, to his performances because um, I've seen it in, in several movies and TV shows that he's been in, but he doesn't mm -hmm. always, he doesn't always focus on it, but it's like, it's an extra layer. It's an extra thing that, right. That adds to what he's got going on. It's unfortunate that he doesn't get more, um, more roles as like the lead in stuff because I mm -hmm. think he has the acting chops for it. Yeah. Um, he did. It's, it's his look doesn't have a leading man look. So, mm. however, also like of mice and men, um, when they portray him as, you know, having his moments of kind of outbursts, he, you can believe that he would be that strong because he's a very like barrel chested, um, large individual. Right. So, uh, I remember him in house too. He was great in that. Oh, okay. Um, he was in one episode of House. Like he's, I think he's got something like 200, 106 credits to his name and just all sorts of stuff. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was in a couple episodes of Stranger Things. He's um, in True Blood. Yeah. He's just, he's been in so much and he's always compelling and everything. And his performance in this really carries the whole episode. Because this episode with with a lesser actor doesn't work. Right. It, it just doesn't, it, it comes off pandering and it feels wrong somehow. But once again, 
this is happening in the middle of a Highlander episode in the <laughs> mid-90s. We're getting this kind of character and this kind of acting. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, um, I'll have some more opinions at the end about, you know, how this went down and everything. But, geez, like, for for something that was happening in, what was this episode, 93, 94? Uh, 95. 95. 95. So, mid-90s. We're we're still dealing with because you see it throughout the episode. We're still dealing with the mentality of a population that doesn't understand mental illness, right? As much as we do today, that doesn't know how to deal with it. I mean, I went to school in Savannah where like there's a bunch of people like this because they shut down the mental institutions there. Mm-hmm. in the mid 80s or something because of people taking advantage of the system people in charge taking advantage of these people and the money that was coming in and the best they could do was just shut it all down and leave these people wandering around at yeah. the time so like you know we're we're mid 90s 2000s i think is when we're starting to take mental illness a lot more seriously you know a much better care mm-hmm. oh absolutely but, just this kind of portrayal and this kind of thought process of like Richie and Duncan wanting to take care of him. Not that they wouldn't, but just Richie's compassion. I feel like with Richie, I'm willing to bet he's known people like this being in and out of the system that he's been in. And that's part of the reason he feels the way he does for Mikey. I can see they never talk about it, but knowing the way they've written Richie and the way his past has been, this is probably nothing new to him. And he's like, you know, has that compassion. It's just for all the things you could argue against this kind of character in this kind of show, they blew it out of the park. Well, the way and, they handled it. and it brings up interesting questions about in the, in kind of the overall mythology of this show, which is like, so far, what we have seen from Immortals is there. All we see are the Duncans and the Richies and the you know Roddy Pipers and these mm-hmm. physically gifted and and able to handle themselves because it makes sense if you have a life right. like they're going to have, you need to do that. Or they're like mm-hmm. Amanda, who can use um, you know subterfuge to to kind of get gain advantage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be physical strength. It can be agility or it can right. be, you know, mental um, strength as well. And outside of the kid immortal that we saw last season, um, we haven't seen an immortal like this, but it makes sense that if there's, it, it, there's, there's no rhyme or reason for who becomes an immortal, like who's born right. to that or not. We're never, mm-hmm. that's never explored. So it makes perfect sense that there would be immortals like Mikey but they would be a rare thing to see because right. either they would never trigger their immortality because in order to become immortal, you have to die a violent death, your first mm-hmm. death, or they would become immortal and then not last long after that because of people like Tyler King would basically pick them right. off. So it, and, and then you've got, you know, on top of that, you have Richie who runs into him. And now he feels uh, a sense of compassion for Mikey. And like the, the scene with, with Duncan and Richie talking 
And they're like, how could they do this to him? Can't they see that he's different, that he, that he didn't mean to do it? And Duncan's like, it's not about whether, Mike, whether I like Mikey, whether he's a good person, whether he has a good soul or not. It's like, what, what can we do for him? How can we help him? And Richie's like, well, mm-hmm. he deserves to have a life. And it's true. And Duncan agrees with that, but they just, they don't know right. how. In 1995, a mentally disabled person, if you didn't have family, mm-hmm. you were going to be put somewhere. And probably victimized in some way, shape, or form. The way the system was at the time. Yes, and on top of that, if Mikey ends up in the system, at some point somebody's going to start asking questions why this guy doesn't age and mm-hmm. how long he's been in the system. Yeah, and it's going to get weird. Too. So it's like there's all sorts of interesting things that could have gone through. And I have to mention this because if I don't, I will, I will never feel right about myself. Pruitt Taylor Vince, a couple of years after this uh, episode aired, won a primetime Emmy Award for his portrayal on Murder One as uh, Clifford Banks. Get this. Here's who he beat out for that award. Alan Arkin, Louis Gossett Jr., William okay. H. Macy, and Ewan McGregor. Holy crap. And he beat all of them out and won a primetime Emmy that year. I mean, the guy's good. Right. He's really yeah. good. So, yeah. Um, I mean, just... And, and like I said, just carries this episode. This episode mm-hmm. is... I don't want to say this episode is absolutely no good without him in it, but it is elevated beyond what it should be because of his performance as Mikey. And Mikey is a compelling character too, because he just, he's not, he's not a mean person, but he also can have outbursts because he just doesn't understand what's going around. And like you said, it's the treatment of people with mental illness or developmental disabilities or whatever, um, types of things. Anybody who falls, who fell out of the normal, and I'm using giant air quotes to to mm-hmm. surround that word, um, at the time. So, and it was just handled very, very well. Yeah. Half the town lost friends or relatives to the Cheyenne. I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not Cheyenne. So flashbacks. We have a couple. They're short. Um, they're not. Bad. They don't really have a huge tie to the current events, other than um, basically it's it's in D- the Dakota Territories in 1868, and then a small town uh, right near there. Duncan's out riding. He comes upon a man. Man is whipping a native um, who he says he just bought um, as a slave. And Duncan mm-hmm. Duncan's like, well, it "Ain't happening on my watch." And <laughs> yeah, basically slaps the guy around and makes him leave. Um, we don't ever find out what tribe uh, the man is from. His name is uh, Shaska, but he's mm-hmm. definitely we. All we know is he's not a Cheyenne, right? Because that comes up. Um, right. But uh, when Mac takes a look at his back and sees how badly he's been whipped and all, he's like, "Look, you need medical attention. I'm going to take you into town." And at first, Shaska says, "No, you know, I don't want white man medicine." But Duncan's like, "Just we're we're going to go. Come on." Yeah. And he takes him into the town. They get in there, and the whole it's 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 that moment from like every western where the guy rides into town. Just everybody in town is following him through because he's riding with mm-hmm. Shaska on the on the horse. Um, yep. Duncan insists they go to the doctor. The doctor's like reluctant, and that's where the line comes up where he says, "Look, half the people in town have lost friends or relatives to the Cheyenne." And Shaska's response is, "That I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not Cheyenne." <laughs> 
um he, obviously it is what he wanted to say right after that but right and honestly showing the prejudice that's going on in the town and that does mirror right. a little bit but it was something that in the present time with Mikey was touched on and there's the, the way people reacted to him but it was never they never went super on the nose with it either like there was never no they didn't it was just everybody reacting to Mikey um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what they did here is everybody reacting to Shaska and eventually the doctor reluctantly says okay I'll fix him up so Duncan's standing outside the doctor's office kind of kind of standing mm-hmm. guard uh, the, most of the town is gathered around there's a guy um, one guy in particular that uh, wants to go in and, and just take the mm-hmm. take the guy you know take Shaska out I'm, I don't want to use the terminology that he did um, right but uh, it was funny in that scene how Duncan's got his gun pointed right at the guy's face. Like, yeah, you know, everybody always jokes about proper trigger form and the way you're supposed to hold your gun. I was like, yeah, Duncan's holding that gun exactly how he wants to right there. Yeah. <laughs> that um, guy's now, I did. I did appreciate that when the marshal came up uh, and started talking to Duncan and you've got the townspeople, especially that one guy with the mustache and the black coat. Um, mm-hmm. who they never give a name to, I don't think. No, they don't. Um, the marshal is very level-headed, and he's like, all right, look, you know, when Duncan tells him, as soon as he's patched up, we're out of town, the marshal's just like, all right, fine. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. the, he, doesn't have an, he doesn't have an issue with it. The marshal doesn't. The townsfolk right. do. Well, while all this is going on, eventually Shaska, um, out of fear, basically, sneaks out the back of the doctor's office, and... Uh, is on is trying to make his way out of town, goes to take a horse mm-hmm. when the guy that was whipping him is in town and confronts him. Yeah. And there's a struggle and it ends with Shaska shooting him in the middle of the street. Yep. So now all the townsfolk come down and the marshal and Duncan is trying to calm him down and the marshal is saying, um, you know, look, he's going to have to tell it to the jury. Again, the marshal's right. doing his job. I, I have no fault in the yeah. marshal character at all. Um, but kind of impressive, actually. <laughs> yeah, because they very easily could have made it, uh, you know, the renegade type marshal. But I liked that they didn't go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, eventually, Shaska, in an attempt to like run because he just is scared, the guy with the black coat shoots him in the back. Yeah. So Duncan knocks him out and leaves. Um, yep. And that's that's how that ended. It basically the mirroring that they were doing to the present day stuff was kind of the prejudice, and also, yeah. and also Duncan, you know, looking out for somebody who couldn't take care of himself at the mm-hmm. at the moment. Right? He his right. difference was he was physically injured and he couldn't take mm-hmm. care of himself. Uh, but overall, it's it's a decent flashback. It doesn't really like the the episode could have not had it and it wouldn't have made a difference right but it would have i I would have felt like something was missing without it yeah it it's there enough to give duncan the history with prejudice that in the present time he's like i understand what's going on richie Mm -hmm. i understand but also people are people and will act the way they'll act and we'll treat other people the way they'll treat other people. Yeah. It's not right. And we do what we can, but sometimes that doesn't always work out. No. Now from a and and from a technical standpoint, the flashbacks looked good. 
Um, mm-hmm. They were able to use the kind of, you know, Dakota Territory frontier town um, thing. But all the costuming looked good, and I like they put a sepia filter over it, which is what you would expect for kind oh, yeah, of that era. So it was it, very sepia. <laughs> it was, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me. Um, right, yeah. It wasn't so. bad. It was just funny just how much this particular one is like let's throw that filter on we haven't seen that for a little while with the uh flashbacks where they really stylized the look of it so Mm -hmm. i kind of liked it um yeah but yeah i mean it's a good flashback yeah it works i just keep asking myself why we met up on that road you know why at that exact moment he was there mac it's like maybe it happened for a reason you think you're supposed to take care of him maybe so no Joe Dawson this week. He is um, well after the way last week ended. Uh, doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. However, Richie's back and yeah, he is. Mm, this is good, Richie. Mm-hmm. Um, what this episode did was it it managed to number one, it's reintroducing Richie for season four. This is his first appearance, right? And we keep talking about the maturity of Richie. And mm-hmm. this is another one of those episodes that shows the the kindness that Richie has for other people. And that there's a maturity going on there, too, where he, he immediately, like, when he first stops on his bike and takes his helmet off, he's almost basically ready for a fight at that moment because he feels right. another immortal. But the way the way he takes in Mikey and and watching him soften and watching him realize that Mikey is not a threat to him, Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really like Stan Kirsch just, just perform his performance. Once again, is great. He really knows this yep. character by this point in the series and, and just the kindness that Richie shows towards Mikey and this, this desire to help him and give him a life. You mm-hmm. nailed it perfectly when you said earlier that Richie has probably been around other neurodivergent people in his life growing up in, in and out of the system yeah. and on the street. So, you know, he's going to feel, uh, if that is the case, he's going to feel a certain empathy towards Mikey. Mm-hmm. So I loved when him and Duncan are talking about it and Duncan finally convinces Richie, you, you can't take care of this. You can't take care of Mikey, not on your own. You can't do it. We got to figure something out. And she was like, okay, well, let me talk to some social workers I know. And Duncan was like, hey, that's actually a good idea. I, that like, was great, yes. Oh, that was Duncan's so good. almost surprised. It was great. Yeah, because the, that that's perfect. There is a genuine surprise in the face of Duncan at that moment where he's like, mm. oh, my little boy's growing up. And, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and you know, Duncan lays it out for him. He's like, look, are you ready to take care of this man 24 hours a day, every day, forever? because that's what it's right. going to take. And then later on when everything has gone south and they're out on the train track and Richie still wants to take care of him and Duncan's like, "Look, Alan and Helen tried that and it mm-hmm. didn't work. Something is going right. to find him eventually." And the the whole school, the St. Simon's St. Simon's, I think. Yeah, school that they were going to take him to that was on holy ground. Like that was gone to them now. They didn't have that anymore. So mm-hmm. short of like basically taking him to Europe and finding a monastery somewhere for him to live in, that was going to be their only other option. Now, maybe in a, in a perfect world, they would have explored that more. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I just, I do, I do really think this was good 
a good Richie episode to mm-hmm. show who Richie really is, which is a good, kind-hearted person. And uh, and I appreciated that a lot. Um, plus, it's I mean, any episode with Richie, Stan Kirsch just just knows it by this point, so that helps. Oh yeah, yeah, he was great. So yeah, it's good stuff. Miss Joe, uh, but Joe should be back. Um, and uh, and it's good to have Richie back, especially after losing right. Charlie. That's the only bummer of <laughs> of Charlie dying in last week's episode is that Richie wasn't there for it. Yeah. And because of the events of this episode, Duncan doesn't get to tell him about it. Yeah. And boy, I don't want to have that conversation. Like you have to wonder if that's the conversation that um, they have as they're working on that house after the, after the credits start to roll is Duncan Mm -hmm. being like, Oh, Hey, by the way, um, while you were gone, Charlie came back. Yeah. That would be terrible. Mm hmm. But yeah, good good stuff from Richie. It's good to have him back. Yeah, it is. Have you talked to him? He's lunch mate. He's barely a blip on the EEG. He thinks. He feels. He's got as much right to life as even you do. So final fight-wise, we actually, again, we had two fights. Um, we had a short one in the dojo earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was cool because it's Duncan on his own home turf, and he's just, again, you, you got grinning... Duncan having fun like and oh, yeah. and it's a fun uh moment because here's Duncan like this and he's on his home turf and here's King Tyler King who thinks he's strong enough and he's just there right. to like he's like look just give me Mikey just give me the guy and and you can live another day that was the best the best line telling Duncan he could live another day like yeah buddy no you don't know who you're messing with <laughs> yeah. um, and and if not for Mikey running in I think that that would have ended even quicker. Maybe. However, that was I did, I did like that moment because that was a again a very real character moment for Mikey, where he's mm-hmm. now like we've seen how how he would get triggered by um, starting to remember or talk about things that had happened, and he would shut down and talk about the trains. But if he saw people fighting, he just ran right into it and wanted to help. Mm-hmm. So there was that, and then when King shows up at the train yard. Once again, Duncan steps in and he's just like, let's go. We're going to, we're going to go have some fun. And he, he dispatches him pretty quickly. It's not a long yeah. fight, but it didn't yeah. because it's not central to the story that they're trying to tell with Mikey. Right. It didn't need to be. Right. Um, but this episode in, in a whole, it's, it's, in, it, it's intriguing. It's a, it's both a formulaic Highlander episode but also a very not following the traditional Highlander episode, Mm -hmm. right? We have an evil immortal. We have a sword fight. We have a quickening. We have a flashback, but all of those things are secondary to this, the, the story going on with Richie and Mikey. Yeah. And I do, I, I mean, I will continue to say that without Pruitt Taylor Vince as Mikey, this episode is, is good. Mm-hmm. But with him in it, it's a whole different level. It just yeah. it gives you so much more because his his performance is both over the top and subtle. If that makes sense, um, yeah. And and sincere is kind of the thing I keep coming back to. 
is there's a yeah. sincerity and a realism and a respect that he gives to the type of character that he's playing here. Um, Absolutely. You know, as a credit to his acting ability. And I don't think Pruitt Taylor Vince has a mean bone in his body at all either. Like, I yeah. just don't think that's in him from everything that I've seen and read and, and watched interviews with him. He just seems like just a genuinely good person. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good. And I didn't mention this earlier, but I loved how they portrayed the tingle or the buzz for Mikey. Yeah. Because he didn't like it. He didn't. And it was overwhelming for him. Like every time mm-hmm. it would happen and it makes sense, right? It would be a sensory, uh, this, the sensory overload, mm-hmm. but also kind of like something he wouldn't remember was going to feel like that until it happened every single time. Right. Yeah. So, whereas other immortals kind of get used to it after a while, mm-hmm. um, for him, it was just this, this overload every single time. And that was a, that was another one of those layers to the performance that I just felt like, because he didn't freak out and start screaming every time it happened, but you could tell it was just too much for him. Always. Yeah. Cause at this point, like when he was with Alan, there's gotta be enough times where he's feeling it with him or Alan coming in, you know, mm-hmm. leaving and then coming back in contact. But that doesn't mean he gets used to it at all. Right. So like, I think it's definitely some, one of those things where you could tell it's something he understands, something weird's happening. But it's probably happened enough that it doesn't completely freak him out, but it still completely bothers him. Yeah. Yep. And and then if he's in a situation where his emotions are heightened again, then it's just mm-hmm. gonna gonna catch him off guard and be even worse. So. Right. Yeah, this is a, a really good episode, and this the ending of it so heartbreaking that mm. that is the part of the performance that is like the cherry on top is what happens when they walk into that tunnel because you see, and that's where I'm talking about all the emotion that you can see on Mikey's um, face that Pruitt Taylor Vince is able to convey both this childlike glee, like the moment where they hit the switch track that, that just child filled like innocent glee that he has being surrounded by all these trains yeah, is palpable. And then when they get into the tunnel, and he's so excited until he turns around and he sees Richie and and Stan Kirsch as well. The the emotion on his face. Mm-hmm. And then for you know, for Mikey to then feel that and then that moment of lucidity and he's just being like, Don't worry about it. Don't worry, it's okay. I'm not scared. I was just like, Oh, oh, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts me. But you know, it's what makes uh, it, the episode makes you feel something. Mm-hmm. It really For does. For sure. And here's the thing. Um, this was a brave way of writing this episode and ending this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of seen, uh, Twitter discourse this week about could certain movies or something be made mm-hmm. nowadays. This episode doesn't end this way right now. Today. I think they would have written a better way out. I think so. And, and, and a lot of that is because we've got 25 years more, uh, Mm -hmm. growth and experience in, in, uh, in writing characters that are neurodivergent and, Mm -hmm. and just how you would interact with that character. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is, how far we come in society and dealing 
with those people and, you know, helping them live yeah, with whatever and, they have. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it definitely would be different today. Um, it's mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of that product of its time, but I think especially right. if you view it through the lens of when it was made, that mm-hmm. that's almost more impressive with what they were able to uh, accomplish and what they put to screen. Right. So, yeah, it's this is not a this is not an episode to skip. Um, just you know, maybe have some tissues ready. You might you might get a little teary eyed at the end. At least if you're me. Well, I don't know if if you have somebody in your life in your family or something like this, you may want to skip it, and that's okay. That's like, a good point. See, I was reminded. Yeah, Mikey reminded me a little bit of my cousin. And um so that I think was was another reason why I kind of la- I glommed onto this performance so well is mm-hmm. is he just reminded me a lot of my cousin. Who right. Was, who was a lot like Mikey. Mhm. But you know some there are some people that can't handle that would not be able to handle this episode and that's, that's perfectly true. okay. That is very very I mean, true. Mikey meet meets his end at the end of the episode in not a great way because it's like you want them to figure out a way for Mikey to live somewhere safe. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what they want. They weren't able to come up with it. Um, so they ended up killing his character. Um, that wouldn't happen today. If they wrote this episode, they'd figure out a way they'd figure out something. Um, he probably wouldn't be handled the same way by the police as much and get into that much trouble either. Also true, um, yeah. Maybe, depending on, you know, where he's at, what kind of cops he's dealing with. So oh, yeah. it's it's a tough one. And again, impressive the way they handled it. Um, impressive the way they dealt with all of it. Most impressive, Pruitt Taylor Vince's portrayal, mm-hmm. which sells it and doesn't... If he, Again, if he didn't act as well as he did then I would have a lot harder time with this ending. Mm-hmm. It's just That's, like, oh, yes. you just did away with that character because you just had to do it. This, this, was a, this was a tough one because of how well he portrayed this person and how well everybody dealt with him, Duncan and Richie especially. Well, and that's where I say, you know, it, the, the ending is so heartbreaking is, mm-hmm. is he's just so good and you, you really feel for Mikey. Right. And to have not just how it played out, but to have that moment right at the end with Mikey and the self-awareness that he has mm-hmm. in that moment. That's the right. that's the thing that really like just gut punches you is his mm-hmm. his self-realization in that very moment and that line yep. of I'm not scared. Um I'm not afraid. I'm going to go see the the train king. It's like oof. Oof. Yeah. But, you know. And then they end the episode with Duncan and Richie working on the house. Oh, yeah. They hear a train. And then the freaking hallelujah chorus from. Is it. uh, Was it. Handel's Messiah? Yeah, I think so. Um, Well, they had used the music. Yeah, they they had used the music earlier when they first hit the switch tracks with Mikey, and it it worked there. It was a little on the nose, but like, it was fine because well, you had a good montage of, um, 
Mikey looking at all the trains, Mm -hmm. being so just, you know, like you said earlier, he was just so enamored with everything. He was like, this is awesome. And it kind of made sense there. To do it again and the way and how much they freaking did it and then did a montage of Mikey, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and we've sat here and sung the praises of the character of Mikey, Pruitale Vance's characterization of him. But still he's one dude in one episode. hmm Yeah, that was you know? a little that was a little much at the very <laughs> it's end. Like, okay. And you know, thinking about it now, maybe that's part of they they needed to do that for this character because the writers and the producers to to make him that much more special and not feel like oh we just killed a handicapped person kind of thing yeah that could be um but still that would be it felt super super cheesy when i was watching i was like are you kidding me are you kidding me yeah no you're right when you first cuz you had sent me a text about that and so as I was rewatching the episode, at first I thought you meant when they first hit the switch track. And I'm like, no, this isn't that bad. I don't know what he's talking about. And then when that, I'd completely forgotten about that part right at the end where they hear the train whistle. Mm-hmm. And then there's that montage. I'm like, oh, this is what he's talking about. And yeah, that's not great. So yeah, <laughs> it didn't need to be that long. Maybe you could do a little, little montage of mm-hmm. Richie and Mikey, the couple scene, you know, the couple scenes they had and interacted and maybe something else. Yeah. Maybe not just as somebody who is, uh, grew up in the church and he- hears that every freaking Easter <laughs> and just associates that with Easter period. I was just like, it just took me right out. Yeah. It's like, come I on. Can, guys. I can get that. But all, all in all, even with that, it's still uh, a very good episode. So, Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was my one super nit pick. <laughs> Yeah. Now next week really? we're going to be okay. yeah next week we're going to be uh, episode four leader of the pack uh, by title mm-hmm. alone I don't remember this one so um, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it and seeing how much of it comes back to me uh, as the yeah. episode unfolds. Um, if you want to uh, to hang out and watch us record this show live, you can do that. We record live uh, every week um, Tuesdays 9 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. Um, and then the show comes out on Thursdays at anchor.fm slash let's watch Highlander. Uh, I, I think we can announce this now. We, uh, Audie and I are going to be on a show um, called The More You Nerd in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll record it. And I don't know a release date for it yet, but we are going to be talking more Highlander. We're going to be talking Highlander, mm-hmm. the animated series. Yeah. So that'll be fun. And when we know more about that and we have... Uh, we have a release date. We will let everyone know where they can find that. Uh, the More You Nerd, by the way, is a fantastic show, and you should check it out anyway. Drew and Miles are awesome. Mm-hmm. So, And for those of you who didn't know, yes, they made a Saturday morning cartoon out of Highlander, <laughs> and it does not resemble anything you've ever seen before. No, and not only so did go- they make it, they made two seasons of it. Mm-hmm. We're only going to yeah. be watching the first three episodes for the for this podcast, but... Um, it is available to stream online. I believe it's on imdb.tv. So probably, uh, but yeah, that's, what's kind of coming up, um, as we continue doing episodes, uh, of the show. And then we'll be on, uh, the more you nerd talking the animated series, but, um, yeah, until next week and episode four leader of pack, just remember that there can be only one Pruitt Taylor Vince. Hallelujah.
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>